0: me up september ends. i'm jacob aldridge your favorite stentorian business advisor september has ended october is here what does that mean here we're going to talk about the september financials and much more importantly the october forecast for your business As always, these are the four indicators that we look at this month. Not a lot of movement or anything exciting in these numbers. And as a result, we're going to keep the economic update fairly punchy. I'm going to give an opportunity to dive a little bit deeper into a topic I think you're definitely going to want to stick around for. So let's jump in as quickly as we can to those four indicators and as always if you jump into the archives on YouTube or on jacobaldrich.com you can get more data on why those indicators and where they've been uh, over the now 19 updates that we've been doing one for every COVID. First off let's have a look at active coronavirus cases and really this is a tale of two countries but Since we put this data together at the end of September, we've had news of Donald Trump's positive diagnosis that really means that what's the numbers there? 7 million active COVID-19 cases worldwide. There's only one that everybody's really talking about. If that allows us to shine a light on this disease and to possibly deal with it sooner, deal with it faster, then that's got to be a positive thing. Of course, much love and wishes to everybody who is suffering from this disease, either actively or having overcome it, some of the lingering side effects. So a tale of two countries, you can see them there in the green and the red, the UK and Australia. Australia, massive decrease in active cases for the month. You can see down below there, The deaths from September, so total deaths in Australia, end of August first, end of September, that number was up by 52%. Huge jump, uh, which is the lag effect of that huge jump in active cases we talked about last month in this video. The UK is seemingly a month behind. The active cases have jumped, uh, as you can see there, by 59% for the month. 10% just for the week leading up to the 2nd of October. Deaths in the UK only up 2% for the month and that shows just how fast things have changed at the end of September for the UK. In fact, since we created the data between that and releasing this video, we've had several record days of cases in the UK where in that first wave, They were looking at 6,000 cases a day. We have now had days of 12,000 and 22,000 in the UK. So the tale of two countries, you can see on the left Australia, second wave very, very clearly under control, seemingly one escaped virus from a, a Melbourne, lockdown facility uh, led to a giant spike. That second wave, very harsh lockdown measures have got that under control versus the UK, which you'll know if you've been tracking the active cases, never quite got the active cases under control and now has had the second wave. Here's the really scary thing. The UK, the US, the Northern Hemisphere now heading into winter. There's increasing evidence around vitamin D deficiency being a a, a risk factor for both contracting COVID-19 and certainly the severity of the symptoms. Uh, Vitamin D, sunlight, a lot less sunlight, having lived in the Northern Hemisphere through a recession. I know you don't get out much, you certainly don't get a lot of sunshine. And so they're having this wave heading into a winter, which certainly uh, gives me concern from a business perspective. Uh, You know, I've got one client, Uh, based out of the UK. They've postponed a new product, launch now again until at least next March. And another one based uh, in the Southern Hemisphere that was planning on expanding to the UK, had a rollout plan from January. That has also now been pushed back indefinitely because they're looking at these numbers, because they're seeing active COVID-19 cases as a lead indicator of the economy and business conditions. Now on that vitamin D, we are certainly learning more about the disease and about the sort of things that have an effect, the sort of risk factors that we get. Things like, for example, it kills more men than women. Uh, If you're over 70s, obesity, weight gains. uh, And interestingly, a study came out just last week that showed that those who have this Neanderthal uh, gene in their body still seem to be at a higher risk of serious COVID-19. In other words, There's a great risk of COVID-19 if you were an old, overweight man who behaves like a Neanderthal. If Donald Trump dies, that joke is not going to age well. Again, what does the COVID-19 active cases, those death cases actually mean for your business? I'm not gonna jump into these details. You can go back and look at the last two economic snapshots where we've gone through them in detail. The key point is that look global, act local. What is impact is this having in your community and on your supply chain, your demand chain, and your customers? The second bit of data that we look at, every economic snapshot, which we are now doing monthly to give you more signal, less noise, is what the share markets are doing. Um, Not a heap, to be honest, through the month of September. Those three main indices that we look at, the FTSE, the Dow Jones, the ASX 200, were all down slightly, not by anything significant. You may remember last month, I talked about how US tech stocks had broken through previous highs. But if you took them out, the rest of the market and the rest of the world had not yet breached that ceiling from February, which was a key indicator of whether or not the economy was going to continue moving forward or we're still having this volatility and uncertainty through COVID and at risk of another great slump. Since then, almost to the day that I published last month's economic update, those tech stocks came out. You can see there, if we highlight just the last month, uh, a little bit of a decline in uh, all of those markets. What that means for your business. We're getting about a one month indicator. September was down slightly, certainly less exuberant in the markets. That would suggest that your October is going to be slightly more difficult than your September was. Unemployment rate's the first of these lag indicators. It's a mixed bag this month. The UK is up slightly. It's actually moved. Um, My contentions about how horseshit uh, all of these unemployment numbers are with the fiscal policy of those governments. The UK in particular uh, still stands. Um, but that was, that was up slightly, it's still incredibly low. Uh, that's going back to July. Um, since then in uh, the US and Australia, where we have figures for August and now September, mid-September in the US uh, accordingly, those numbers have both come down uh, and have continued the great slide. There was a great fear in uh, September as economic stimulus packages were due to start expiring that we would see unemployment jump. It certainly hasn't happened. In some cases, those policies have been extended. Uh, In the case of the US, Slate magazine did a great article that looked at why it hadn't had an impact because they weren't able to extend. Uh, What it showed was a few different factors. I mean, we had the summer boost that we've talked about here. Uh, We had the fact that um, the, the system over there is so slow. Some of the unemployment checks are still three, four months later still getting mailed out. And so people are actually getting the stimulus package in September. Still some due to get it in October. So, you know, that's still having a little bit of a wash. They also had a once in a decade hiring boom. The census is, is on in the US at the moment. Uh, that's a lot of temporary staff. It does decrease the unemployment numbers, which is a good thing, good timing in a sense. Uh, but it does mean that there's some of that data that's a little bit soft as the economy moves forward, and certainly beyond the election and there. No new GDP growth numbers. Um, final numbers in the UK and the US were both slightly better than the preliminary numbers. Uh, a reminder, these are, you know, in many cases, we're gonna get preliminary numbers this month, for example, in the US. The stock market is not the economy. GDP growth is not total GDP. We are in the middle of a, 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 an uplift. In this quarter it's going to be the end of the recession you will see those headlines when the data is released 29th of October 11th of November 2nd of December in Australia where we just wait till we've got it right and put it out that doesn't necessarily mean anything specific for your business it certainly doesn't mean that the lingering effects of the recession are completely over or even that each quarter is now going to go back to growth if you think of COVID-19 it's a disease it kills many it can leave lingering long-term effects on many many others who have recovered and the same is true of the coronavirus recession if your business is still here today fantastic congratulations you have faced a pretty hefty punch in the face but the boxing match still continues you are not yet out of the ring out of the woods insert your metaphor to go dancing in dandelions there's still more to come and given we don't really have anything more in the economic snapshot, that's where I wanna take you. Where is your business? Now that we are at this point, a little over six months since the coronavirus recession, really bit. In March of this year, it really started in many Western economies. Six months on, the end of September, how is your business going? You may recall, again, we've talked about this in many of the earlier videos, the economic cycle, that this is just a cycle that there are periods of great growth, euphoria, everyone feels fantastic, and that's actually the point of greatest risk. That's what I was warning people in my videos 2018, 2019, that that's where we were coming up to. COVID-19 or not, we were heading for a recession, and we're certainly in the emotional downturn. You know, some of those fear, the desperation, the panic that's kicking in. How are you feeling? How are your team feeling? How are your competitors feeling, your clients, your suppliers? Having a connection with both your emotions and those of the people around you in the business community is a great way of knowing what's coming next. It's a great lead indicator because the decisions and the communication that's done in the present moment comes from those feelings in many cases and will impact what happens next. We overlaid onto that cycle then, the four phases of a recession for your business. That first three-ish month period where you really have to respond, catch your breath, which the most part we have now all made it through. The second part, which is planning, planning for the future. What does your business look like post recession, post COVID-19? I know for many businesses, we saw the second wave, for example, in Australia, uh, particularly in Victoria, you've had to kind of go back and respond to some of that. This isn't a perfect linear system, uh, but The underlying thing is we're now shifting. We know more. We need to plan for the future. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We want to be planned so we're ready at that bottom. Point of maximum financial opportunity we can execute. And then get all of that uplift in our business. All of that profit which is to come. I've talked about three ways that many businesses are facing any recession. uh, And the COVID coronavirus recession in particular. There are many that will already have dived either because they were significantly impacted by lockdown or because while we all ended up in the same stormy seas, they showed up in a leaky canoe. They were already an at-risk business and this is what tipped them over the edge. Those that maybe fought hard or were fortunate, uh, managed to to not dive, they managed to survive. And the businesses that survive are just gonna kind of follow the economic cycle up and down. The third option is the ones that thrive. Not necessarily because they're counter-cyclical, because they have the systems, processes, mindset in place, that they can respond quickly. They still have that dip, as you can see in that diagram. Uh, They don't perfectly keep growing in the face of something as severe as a global pandemic, but they have the systems and business models in place to thrive regardless. And so the question I have been asking, which of these are you experiencing? Which of these do you want to choose? Dive, survive, or thrive? And I wanna just use some slightly different language because for the last 12 months and particularly the last six months as the coronavirus recession has been impacting my one-on-one advisory clients, I've been road testing uh, a new approach, the recessionary approach that I've been preparing for a little while that looks at this same concept. I use some slightly different language. Uh, some of you who are fans of NASA Nicholas Taleb will recognize some of the language. I want you to think about those businesses that are fragile, those businesses that are robust, and then this third category of businesses that are anti-fragile. Now, that's a fairly big concept that you don't really want some Muppet in a suit explaining to you. So, to explain fragile, robust, anti-fragile, and help you understand how that could apply to your business, I'm gonna throw it over to my three friends, Jacob, Jacob, and Jacob. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Jacob. Nice type-in reference. So what do we mean by fragile? I mean, it's 2020. I think by this point, we all have a pretty good gut feel for what being fragile looks and feels like. But if we want to understand the alternatives and particularly what anti-fragile means, we need a bit of a definition of fragility. This is particularly important because many systems, many individuals, many businesses that are fragile don't necessarily look at it from the outside. It's only when you interrogate the business model that you realise. So Taleb gives us a definition. Something is fragile when it has more to lose than it has to gain. A simple example might be a teacup. And a teacup can do its job for centuries but a little bit of volatility in the wrong place, the teacup is smashed and it will never be put back together as good as it was when it was new. The same is true of many businesses. They might be going along for years, decades, with a, an exposure to weakness that just hasn't been hit in exactly the right point. They can be fragile and the way we know that is when we look at the business model, when we look at the system, we see that those risks are there, that could send the business into a tailspin, but there isn't a corresponding opportunity for growth. So what do most business owners do when they feel fragile? Well, they think to themselves, how do I get out of this and into something a bit more robust? So a lot of people think that the opposite of fragility is being robust, is being strong. If something is fragile because it can break From volatility then surely the opposite must be something that doesn't break from volatility and as we'll see that's a limited worldview which takes away an awful lot of opportunities for you in life and in business so something might be robust if it doesn't have some of that downside instead of being a teacup it's more of a steel beam it's not going to have that point of volatility but if we think about that definition something is fragile when it has more to lose than it has to gain. Well, something that won't lose, but can't really gain either, isn't the full story. And that's the problem with being robust. You might be that steel beam that's not going to get shattered, but as we learnt in the song, a rock feels no pain, but an island never grows. If you as a business owner, heck, if you as a human being want to grow and develop, and you need to have some benefit from resistance. It's not sufficient to avoid being the teacup and become robust. Now, if you really want to be the opposite to fragile, if you really want to benefit from the reality of the modern world, you need to be anti-fragile, which is to say, well, I'll let my good-looking friend explain it. Thanks, Jacob, nice shirt. So if fragility is something that has more to lose than gain, means that volatility will invariably send it into ruin. The only way over time is down. Something that's robust doesn't have that downside, but it also doesn't have the upside. In many ways, it's not impacted at all by volatility. Something that is anti-fragile has more to gain than it has to lose. It's like the teacup, except it gets stronger every single time that it gets broken. Business exists because we're in a volatile, chaotic world. And a lot of us as business owners, driven by our emotions, misunderstand what volatility really means because we're so used to that fragile side of things where volatility is a bad thing. Once we understand that volatility just means the ups and downs, the unpredictableness, the uncertainty, the ambiguity, the complexity, which is the modern world, then we start to realise we can't ever properly control it. And that's the weird thing we tend to do as business owners. Our whole business exists because of some complexity or some chaos that's out there in the world. And yet, once we start and get some traction, the first thing we want to do is go and make it robust. We want to try and get rid of all that chaos and create an equilibrium. We never can, and that's the challenge that we constantly have as business owners. What if instead, What if instead of trying to be robust you decided to be anti-fragile you decided to work on those things that meant when volatility invariably showed up you weren't going to smash like a teacup but instead of being the steel beam the island that never grows you actually benefit from the volatility when chaos reigns you actually profit that sounds like a much better business and a much better fit for 2020 and beyond. Now, I appreciate that's a bit of a complex concept, fragile, robust, and anti-fragile. So why don't we get the three amigos here to run through an example uh, of, of each and just help explain that a little bit more. Can I hand it over to you, Jacob? Let me freeze those guys so that the nodding doesn't drive you crazy. Let's give you each an example of our concept, in my case, fragility, terms of physical, emotional, and then in regards to your business. So physical, something that's fragile. You might think of somebody breaking a bone, being hit by a truck, those kind of things. But I want you to focus not on the extremes, but on the systems, the physical systems that maybe are set up so that they don't necessarily look fragile, but there's a greater risk there. And so perhaps someone who's immunocompromised, somebody who's had a transplant, who's going through chemotherapy. In many cases from the outside you wouldn't necessarily know, but their body is fragile. They're at a far greater risk of catching a cold say and potentially for something as simple as a common cold actually being fatal to their system. Emotionally, again when I say emotionally fragile you might think of people who are constantly breaking down or having breakdowns Uh, full-on mental breakdowns or are just very, very outward with their emotions and not being able to control it. For me, the much trickier emotional fragility is the people who are suppressing what's going on, who are fighting against the feelings that they're having. As the saying goes, what you resist persists. And fragility around emotions often comes not from not having them and not from letting them out, but instead from pretending they don't exist from ignoring them. And so, as we go through that continuum and look at what does a fragile business look like, you start to realize that from the outside, it might look like it's quite strong. It might look like it's here for the ages, but just underneath the surface, perhaps there's a whole lot of issues that the business owner is trying to suppress, that the business is not even aware of. A great test of fragility in a business is to just ask, what would happen if you had a really great month What impact would that have on your profit? And then what would happen if you had a really bad month? A fragile business will do far worse in a bad month than it will benefit from a good month. Perhaps uh, an opportunity that increases the revenue by 20% in a month, but they won't actually be able to grab that because of all the systems in place that they have. But a bad month of 20% could wipe out all of the profit they've made for the past three years. Have a look at your business. Can you grab opportunity and with that volatility, if there's a down month, what impact will that have on the viability of your organization? How fragile are you? And if you don't want to be fragile, or if you're not fragile, fantastic, then maybe you build a business that's robust instead. What's the problem with that? Well, a robust business may not have the risk of the downside, but doesn't necessarily have the upside. Think about it in a physical term. Somebody who is robust physically may not break down. They may not have some of that immunocompromise, for example, but they're not necessarily building with the nutrients, the things that are going to allow them to grow. Again, emotionally, somebody who's robust isn't necessarily in a space where they can connect with their feelings and benefit from them, learn from gut feel, which drives so many good decisions for business owners, or be able to empathise with others around them. Not to say that being robust is the end of the world. Indeed, for many people, building robust systems in their lives and in their business is critical. You don't want to be in that fragile space, but it's not the end game and it's not where you really want to be. A business that's robust, when asked that question about a great month and a not so great month, might actually look at all of the systems and processes and realize that, well, we'd be, Safe from the downside. If we had a really bad month, we've got the systems and processes in place, and we've got the client base to be able to manage that sort of work. We wouldn't go out of business because of one or two bad months. But those same systems that protect us also restrict our upside. By having, say, commitments to those clients to smooth out revenue, we don't actually have the opportunity to get the growth to grab the new opportunity. And so you can see how something that seems robust is actually got a little bit of risk and fragility attached to it. So what's the real alternative? Okay, the real alternative is building some systems that benefit from the volatility. And really, if we look to nature, we can learn this. If you think about the healthy human body, it actually benefits from some of that stress. Now, yes, nobody wants to get hit by the truck and break all of their bones, but something like weightlifting actually has a positive impact on your body overall. That initial stress, the strain, the pressure on your muscles, your bones, actually leads them to bounce back even stronger. So even though they've had the negative of that stress, they actually get stronger as a result of it. That's the anti-fragility. It's the same in an emotional space. The people who are in tune with their emotions, who are willing to share them, and who recognize that things like being mad, or sad, or scared, are a normal part of the human experience. They're not there to be judged. Those are the people who deal better with their emotions and actually find themselves being able to benefit from their emotional state, the very least be in touch with their emotional state so that they can talk about them instead of acting through their feelings. And in business, businesses that do those things, that welcome some of the stresses, that take risks on purpose because of the opportunities those can create, who talk openly and vulnerably about their emotions because business is run by people, and put the systems in place to benefit from volatility. So that a month where revenue might be up by 20% could see an enormous upswing in profit where a down month only has a minor impact. It's not that it has no impact, The guy in the suit was saying, you're possibly still gonna have a dip when a global pandemic kicks in. But that dip is nowhere near the size of the upswing you get. Volatility isn't just getting hit by a truck, it's the normal ups and downs of business life. When you build an anti-fragile business, you benefit from the ups and downs. And ultimately, that's what we want all of you to go through because the ups and downs are going to continue only those businesses that are anti-fragile that are going to really make the most and thrive through the coronavirus recession and beyond thanks guys you're You're welcome okay cool concept but how do you apply it well the model that i have been applying in some of these clients who are having record months month after month, even in the middle of a recession, and not because they're countercyclical, cyclical, just because their business model is set up for that anti-fragile approach where they benefit from volatility. And what I'm calling that approach is practical anti-fragility. It's not just a highbrow concept, it's how do you actually take that and apply it within your business. And to help share that, Put this date in your diaries, Monday the 26th of October. And make sure you either like the Don't Waste a Good Recession group on Facebook or you subscribe on YouTube or to the email newsletter at jacobaldridge.com. And that will give you the updates, the specific invitations and time to come and join me when I do a live workshop program that week at the end of October on practical anti-fragility for your business. And you'll have to keep up. You'll either have to jump in live when we run each of those five one-hour workshops each day, or to jump in and access the recordings while they remain live for a limited period of time. But if you wanna know how to shift your business from fragile, not only to robust, but to anti-fragile, as the recession lingers to be in a position where your business actually benefits from the uncertainty that is a part of the world, then make sure you subscribe, make sure you join me and many other business owners just like you asking their questions and having us talk about their businesses at the end of the month. Lastly, tell your friends. Subscribing is fantastic, acting is even more important. When you tell your friends, your team, your clients, your suppliers, when you get them thinking positively about the coronavirus recession, that gives you an enormous boost as well. I've been telling you for six months now, don't waste a good recession. Don't keep it a secret. I look forward to seeing you in those events at the end of October. And as always for the economic snapshot and business forecast number 20 coming out at the beginning of November. As always, I'm Jacob Aldridge. Don't waste a good recession.